0: Today's program was brought to you by Copper and Kings, pure copper pot-distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. For more information, visit copperandkings.com.
1: Hi, this is Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: One, seven, six of the morning after. I am your host, Sari Kamen. And I'm
1: Leslie Stockton. This is the morning after, and we'd like to pour one out for...
2: Bill Cunningham. We
1: love you, Bill. Rest in peace.
2: Homie in the sky.
1: Mm, Taking pictures of all those lovely angels.
2: Yeah, we'll miss you, Bill Cunningham. And also... Happy Pride! NYC Pride. Yay! All right, I think we're back on track. (laughs) We are still the morning after. And there's still food news coming up. There is food news. We also have Tyler Cord in the house from number seven. Hi, Tyler. Hi. Hi. So we're going to do some food news. We'll be back to talk with Tyler right after. But first, oh, a couple things to share. <laughs> all right. The thing that we've all been for, <laughs> scared of for so long, pizza robots, might finally be a reality. Would, would you eat pizza made by a robot, Tyler?
3: Of course, I would. what's so scary about pizza robots?
2: I don't I mean like everything okay, so there's a there's a there's a startup working in Silicon Valley, of course. Um, they are called Zoom Pizza, so they've invent I don't know do you invent a robot, I guess yeah, you create a robot yeah to to make pizza. Are these, like, standing robots with, with like... I don't know. They have names. One is named Marta. She expertly spreads sauce perfectly, but not too perfectly, so it looks just like an artisan product. That is a quote. Mm -hmm. Another robot is named Bruno. He, quote, gently, without disturbing it, moves the pizza into the oven to pre-bake. And uh, the pizza gets made. I mean, I guess humans are still required to deliver the pizza, technically. I was about to
1: say, you know, do they box it up and, you know...
2: There's it, still some human... Do they sass necessary. the front
1: of the house like a good cook does? I don't know. I, hope, I hope
2: so. I they do. I guess my fear is pizza domination by robots.
3: Sure, but I mean, uh, between now and when they become so smart that they're smarter than us that they take over planet Earth mm-hmm. before Skynet happens, they're going to make pizza better, I feel like, no? You think... They have I, access to all the knowledge...
2: Those robots are taking our jobs. I mean, that that feels a little scary, the robots taking our jobs. <laughs> not in like a, like, let's build a wall against the robots kind of fear sort of way. Just to they can clear. have my job.
3: It's <laughs> fine.
1: Yeah. Perry Farrell was right. We will make great pets, and we will be
2: pets of robots.
3: But we'll be well fit, apparently. Yes, fine we will.
2: Me. Heaps of pizza. <laughs> I did not expect all this, I have to say.
3: <laughs> let's go robots.
2: Okay. we Okay. Let's go robots. <laughs> Moving robot. on. All right. Here's something different. In Geneva, that's in Sweden. Switzerland. Switzerland. A new <laughs> cafe, Fellatio, will let customers relax with coffee and oral sex. A beach. Because what else do you want with is your coffee if not dudes, oral sex? Or um, is this... Is this... I think by nature, Fellatio Yeah, I mean, implies, it's technically, but yeah, it's a just woman for dudes. can't like, go in there. Not yet, mm-hmm. I will say. So... A. a a dude, no a for me. Switzerland dude can come in and order a cup of coffee and then he can look at different profiles of prostitutes on an iPad. And then um, I guess while he's doing it, a, another woman who is a real woman comes out and performs oral sex and it takes about five or ten minutes and he's relaxing with his coffee with a side of oral sex. But if you want a macchiato, it costs five more francs.
1: Because macchiettos really do drive up the price, huh? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't
3: you so much rather go to the robot pizza place?
1: Yes. Yes. Every single time. And every time. coffee makes your urine smell bad. Imagine what it does for your semen.
2: Ew, that's gross. <laughs> Sorry, Ew, you just took it there. Sorry, I
1: had to. I well, had to. Well, apparently the first thing it's legal
2: because prostitution is legal in Switzerland. I don't know if this is going to be a hit or not. Um, there are some ethical issues, Involved, I would say.
1: Prostitution is legal. I, are the prostitutes getting paid fairly? I pro- probably not. Probably not because it's so cheap.
2: Is this is this worse
1: than a cat cafe? Does well, it comply with labor? Well, I don't know. Are the prostitutes adoptable?
3: What's wrong with a cat cafe?
2: <laughs> I mean, are we pimping?
1: You guys cats? hate
3: robots and cats?
2: <laughs>
1: no, no, I like
3: cats. This, I just want <laughs>
2: cats to have all the same rights that At women cat have. Cat cafes. The cats are are homeless and adoptable. You're right. Cat cafes. That they actually serve a this. great purpose. That sounds
3: wonderful. Yeah,
2: it it would, is. I would say... If I'm, I could go there pro and pro cat pet kitties cat and
3: there was a robot making me a pizza.
2: <laughs> no.
3: Oral sex, yes or no,
2: at I'd, the same time.
3: I'm fine just with the pizza and the cat.
2: <laughs> yeah, know I'm fine just with the coffee, actually.
1: I'm good with pizza and cats and coffee.
2: All of those things. All at the
1: same time. And if I can adopt a cat and take it home with me while my belly is full of pizza and I just have like a... I mean...
2: Yeah. And until Cafe Felicio is for men and for women, I can't support it. Yeah, seriously. Yep. I'm with her. I am with her. Okay. Thank you, Hillary. Last and not least, thank you, Hillary. <laughs> KFC's latest invention is a meal box that doubles as a smartphone charger. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, speaking of things that don't go together, <laughs> coffee and fellatio, <laughs> KFC and smartphone chargers... Pizza and robots? This is a the theme this weekend. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this is only in KFC India. And don't get oh. too excited because it's not really something that you can buy. Uh, I guess so far it's like a contest. You can win a box of KFC that has a smartphone charger built into it. But it doesn't work that well. A, a test on the smartphone charger showed that it only charged an Android phone up to 7% and then And then it died. That's no, that's, that's shameful. KFC stick to what you're good at. Chicken. Stop putting. Oh, wait, you're not good at chicken. (laughs) You have to change your name to KFC. (laughs) Stick to what you're good at. Chicken like product.
1: (laughs) extra crispy tr- chicken like product but i will say what if those lithium batteries start exploding like they did in the uh, uh, hover and the hoverboards and you have like
2: flaming chicken well, boxes in favorite india well that's like your pizza robots really what if a robot exploded while making your pizza well i wouldn't be anywhere
1: near it i'd be home waiting for that pizza but i'd be bummed that pizza show up i just i have a I lot f- of things to worry about <laughs> i think
3: you're overthinking the pizza robot thing You're right. like it's just good for all of us
1: pizza robots plus calf plus cat cafes are good for america
2: what about okay but what about what about the chicken with a smartphone charger
3: if i could just eat fried chicken and it would and it would make my ch- phone charge then i'd be for it but if it's a box that i if i have to go to kfc and buy chicken and hope that the box well
2: what if it gets delivered to you it's like a box with a smartphone charger built in. And then you get to eat the chicken and charge your phone while you're eating the chicken.
3: I'm just going to stay at home. I'm going to order the robot pizza and I'm going to charge my phone because <laughs> I wall. just have my own charger at home. It comes with the charger.
2: There you have it. Done. We don't need all this mess. It's getting too complicated. No out money, more mo problems. That's right. That's right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Tyler Cord.
0: You're listening to Casanova by Tom Cruise. Hey, what's up? This is Jack Insley, the executive producer of Heritage Radio Network, also the host of Full Service Radio, and I want to talk to you about brandy. Uh, I was lucky enough to visit Louisville, and we all know Kentucky is whiskey territory. However, the best thing I had to drink... Was brandy. I got to visit Copper and King's Distillery, and they make pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels, and matured with rock and roll. That's right, sonic aging. They're playing music to the barrels. The stuff is double distilled, non chill filtered, unadulterated by bois, sugar, or caramel color. And this stuff is feisty, rambunctious, with a long, smooth finish. The stuff isn't made exactly in the style of an international brandy or a cognac. It's more along the lines of an American whiskey. I can really be honest here and tell you, I'm not just reading you an ad, I'm giving you a tip. American brandy, you're not seeing it everywhere. Copper and Kings is doing it incredibly well, and they're cool people. The distillery is full of incredible art. Like I said, they're playing rock and roll to the barrels. So again, Copper and Kings, pure copper, pot distilled American brandy, aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. That's copperandkings.com. Drink it neat, put it in a cocktail, sub it for your brown spirits. Experiment, have fun, get funky. This stuff is awesome. Copper
3: and Kings.
2: Tyler Cord is the chef and partner of Number Seven Sub, Number Seven Restaurant, Number Seven Veggie, and Number Seven North. His first book is a short stack edition cookbook devoted entirely to broccoli. His newest book, A Super Upsetting Cookbook About Sandwiches, is now available for purchase wherever fine books are sold. Welcome to the show, Tyler Cord. Hi, thanks. Hi, you're welcome. How are you? I'm great. Great. Um, congratulations on your new cookbook. Thanks so much. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I guess first question is, I, what is super upsetting about sandwiches? I read your book and I didn't feel super upset. I felt really
3: happy. <laughs> well, that's good. I,
2: I laughed a lot. Yeah,
1: it's oh, funny. <laughs> uh,
3: uh, I don't know. I, I guess the the uh, when I when I started writing it and kind of the the pitch leading up to it was maybe more upsetting and so my editor Francis I had written this one sentence in the in my uh in my pitch for the book where it was like the last sentence of the the pitch and I said something to the effect of like and I'll and I'll include lots of upsetting super upsetting details about my personal life in this book and he he thought that was really funny so he wanted to (laughs) he would he pitched that title to me which was a super upsetting cookbook about sandwiches but in the end no I don't know it's kind of upsetting but I think the upsetting I think the way I see it as upsetting, I guess, is that it's not the maybe not the most traditional sandwich cookbook, but also like we don't really need sandwich cookbooks. So I wanted it to be weird and maybe a little upsetting. That we don't actually so that it would be entertaining. Because why do yeah. you need a sandwich cookbook?
2: I mean, it is entertaining. Like right, the title's entertaining, and the book is entertaining from the get-go. From the get-go. From the,
1: the forward. I mean, just sets the tone. The forward is
2: <laughs> one of the most hilarious pieces of writing I've ever read. Yeah,
3: I actually read it. Emma had emailed it to me because I'd asked her to write a forward and, and she was like, well, what do you want me to do? Tell and us I, who Emma j- is. Yeah, like oh, that. sorry. That's so, okay. Emma Straub is a, a woman that I went to college with and she is a pretty, Go Oberlin. She's a pretty famous author now. Yeah. Go Oberlin. Um,
2: I was stalking you. Sorry.
3: No, that's okay. Uh, and her <laughs> dad, said. Peter Straub, actually is a pretty famous author too. He writes uh, scary books. Sometimes with Stephen King They're pretty fun uh, Anyway, so Emma But Emma's a good buddy And she wrote The Vacationers And it was super successful And everybody loved it And my mom really likes Emma And thinks she's great So I thought Who better to ask To write the foreword than Emma So I asked her And I said You know Whatever you want Just make it kind of crazy and, and she read What I had written And thought about it And then Just emailed me this thing And I was Sitting in my car Reading it on my phone And I, it didn't have any Of the footnotes and so it was just like this really weird <laughs> kind of creepy story. And I was like, I don't, I, this might be too upsetting. Like, I don't know if this is going to work at all or if anybody will. Anyway, then I, then I got home and I read it again on my computer and then it had the footnotes. And I was like, oh, okay, no, 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 this is yeah. really, this is actually it is funny. It is
2: really upsetting without the footnotes. Because, it just
3: seems like she's lying a bunch.
2: Well, yeah, you definitely get that. I mean, the first sentence, you're like, "Wait, what?" Because she talks about how it's like the summer of 1956, and you're like, "He's not, he's not that old." Like that doesn't. But make I could be nice. right. Yeah, and I'm like, I think she's lying, and then and then it's like we were both orphans, and, and then like like by the end of the story, you die, and I'm like, yeah. "But he's not dead." So. You get it Like It was it, It's funny
1: It was so creative Because I mean If if you have read one Forward to a cookbook You've kind of Read them all Right, right? Sure. I mean like, yeah. uh, These are the recipes That I love to make That made my restaurant What it is And it does This hard working team Of all these amazing people I who, hate
3: that cookbook so know. much <laughs> exactly. I really didn't want To write that cookbook Like I did everything In my power well, To not ever write that cookbook
1: You know That you appreciate Your staff And everyone Who propped you up While you built this empire And they know it like, you
2: don't have to say
1: yeah. Nobody, over and
3: over and nobody over. Nobody needs to see what we make for family meal. Exactly. You
2: know?
3: That's well, not that exciting. Yeah, I'd
2: say, like, with the forward, you definitely set it up where you're like, all right, this is not a normal cookbook. Yeah. Like, you you create a precedent right there and then, um, which is nice because, you know, you said before we started recording the show that one of the super, or you said it, as we started, like, one of the super upsetting aspects is that, like, you don't necessarily need a cookbook about sandwiches. And, what's good about your cookbook is that it's more than just a cookbook about sandwiches. Like it's also just a really kind of like funny story to read. A lot of it being about your personal life sure.
3: <laughs> and
2: um, a conversation with you and your editor, Francis Lamb. Yeah. And like, is that something that you guys kind of decided ahead of time you would put in sort of these like insidery back and forth comments or did that just kind of like evolved naturally?
3: Well, he, we were maybe like, there are I think ten main kind of sections, and so we had we had i had written I had written a bunch but I, I was in the process of writing like the second or third one, but he was editing the first one and sent it back to me and I, he writes really funny notes to me, and I would in the margins and I would write funny notes back to him, and we would have these funny exchanges that it, you know like nobody got to see um but that I thought were really entertaining unless he would like tweet them occasionally and be like, "Look what we wrote to each other <laughs> um but so at some point, I, I don't remember which part it was, but I was writing something, and I just wrote, and Francis, say something funny, here. And then left a big gap, and then wrote, ladies and gentlemen, Francis slam and then sent it to him. And I didn't know what he was going to do. And he, when he sent it back edited, you know, he had his usual notes in the margins, and in that one, he had just written something that, like, wasn't even that funny, but it was so awesome. And I was like, oh, my God, Francis, let so then we talked about it later, and I was like, are you cool with this? Can we keep doing this? And so... He was usually just responding to me asking him things, but every once in a while he would actually just throw in his own stuff, which was really awesome. Yeah. Which I feel like Francis is a he's a super talented dude and I felt so lucky to have him as an editor and it felt like asking maybe a lot for him to actually even contribute and have his name attached to little you know, bits of the actual book in, in the book, in the text. But he was up for it, so Yeah, it's fun it because was he becomes totally awesome. a character in yeah. your cookbook. Yeah, it's awesome. Which it's like there's is you so and him and sandwiches. He's even we got it into the index too, which is pretty exciting.
1: Yeah. It's really it, it's it's so appropriate because people don't really understand how how integral the writer editor relationship is. And yeah. when you find someone who truly is your partner, it's 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 cool to be able to work them into the narrative. Yeah, it
3: was so, I'm so happy that he's in there cuz we had so much fun. It was so fun to work on that book with him.
1: Well, I mean, you this book is not anything like like we we already said it. it's nothing like anything we've we've read or come from the cookbook world like when you gave your writing to Francis was he just like um okay you know was he was he surprised was he shocked was was, was he like okay this is cool let's let's get to well, it well i mean he
3: had read the 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 my proposal oh right so he you know he had an idea that it was going to be weird and um <laughs> Yeah, no, he was just kind of into it. He erased, like, he edited out tons of it. I probably wrote a book three times as long as the one that you guys have read, because I just, because I write a lot. Uh, And he just, he made it, he sculpted it into this much funnier thing than it probably would have been. But, yeah, so, no, I mean, that's what he does.
1: Um, Can I ask, can I I move on to food, really? Can I move on to food, Sari? You you don't have to ask permission. All right. Is there a vegetable now, or maybe in the future, that can possibly hold the esteem that broccoli does in your eyes? Is there something coming up? Is, what's going to unseat kale, or what's going to unseat broccoli in your eyes? Or is that a stupid question? I don't know why you would ask that. I don't know what great. you have
3: against broccoli. <laughs> anyway, can you
1: I tell us, as far as, like,
2: before you answer that question, if that's okay? Can you tell us, like, you're known as a broccoli dude. Like, what? Like, talk, talk about your your love.
3: I just love broccoli. broccoli. I've just always, it's always been my favorite vegetable. And I was working at a fancy restaurant and kind of imagining what the restaurant I was going to open, because it was like time, it was time to open my own restaurant. And I was thinking about what would be on that menu and what were some things I could use that I didn't see all over the place. And while there's broccoli in every Chinese restaurant in New York City, there, there was like no, nobody was using it. It was just seemed like this really obvious, like, I've always loved it. I love this thing. I bet other people will be excited about it, and nobody ever uses it. So now, you know, you see a lot more, but uh, but you see all the vegetables a lot more these days. But that was, I don't know, nine or ten years ago, and it just felt like there was a decided lack of broccoli. That's true. So I decided to push it. Yeah. Because I like it.
2: And to Leslie's question, like, we've seen trends happen in the vegetable world. Like, there was that big kale movement, which I think we can all say we've moved on from. Yeah. I don't know. What happened after what was like I think Cole Robbie had well, a moment.
3: For the record, no matter what the trend is, official trend is, Brussels sprouts are always the like that's we sell true. so yeah. many Brussels sprouts at yeah. the restaurant and yeah. I've changed it and been like, Oh, it's spring, let's do this asparagus little side dish. And I think nobody you're right. orders I think that. Brussels it's just sprouts always was a Brussels vegetable
2: sprouts. that that upstaged. Kale.
3: But I no, think it was there before Kale. It was there
2: before. It, Brussels sprouts
1: Brussels sprout really was a thing that was like, I hated
3: that as a kid. Yeah. What are you talking about? I'm going to like it now. Oh my God, I like it now. Yeah. And that's like not gone away. And I think every day a new uh 23 year old discovers Brussels sprouts mm-hmm. and is like, oh no, I do. Like at some point, probably in like. Because how long has it been going on? Fifteen years. Like yeah, soon, since the nineties. Soon, the kids that grew up with it are going to become the people going to restaurants, and then maybe that'll be over. Right yeah, they're like, "I always yeah. ate brussels sprouts." Any, any predictions of what could a
2: moment. be next?
3: Uh, no idea. Cool. <laughs> all right. i think i mean
2: i'd be curious about lima beans because i feel like that's the other Ooh, lima
3: beans are fun that's
2: the other vegetable it's not really a vegetable but that's the other thing that like kids eat and it's disgusting it is like
3: a, the the stereotypical i'm sorry i made quotey fingers on the radio but it's cool that's okay it, it is the time. like it is the kind of go-to one of the go-to's like disgusting vegetables right? i
2: remember it being disgusting i don't think i've had but one they're since. great
3: we had we pickled them and put them on a sandwich for a while but uh
2: i think turnips need a moment
3: we, we actually pickled them and put them on a turnip sandwich and nobody ordered them.
1: Uh, because turnip, <laughs> Do you remember that I one? wouldn't. Uh, that was a good one. People don't like turn, turnips and they're so good.
3: Turnips are great, yeah.
1: Oh my God. You get like a nice bunch and the greens are still like really, like, and you just like cook the turnips, throw the greens in there, toss, 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 eat it for dinner. And yeah. people don't get that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> have you noticed anything in New York like since you've started like have people's eating habits changed? I mean obviously like vegetables are so big and at the forefront now and like you are one of the people that helped kind of push vegetables to the center of the plate, put meat a little bit more to the side and I think a lot of um you know restaurants these days that are really successful are are encouraging people to eat like that. Have you noticed changes?
3: I mean I guess that's hard to say because we've always just kind of served a lot of vegetables and a lot of kind of vegetarian things have been our best sellers since we opened. So the ordering at our restaurants hasn't changed all that much. So I can't, I guess I can't speak for other restaurants. I I guess it kind of feels like the trends come and go, but people weirdly still do order exactly the same way, you know? Yeah.
2: What about though? Like when you go out to eat at other restaurants,
3: when I go out to eat, I don't really go out to eat at other restaurants very often because I'm, I'm sleepy. I don't know
2: because <laughs> you're too busy making sandwiches.
3: I make a lot of sandwiches, and then I go home, and then I just robots. and then I just want to cook beans all the time.
2: You want to cook beans all the time?
3: I really like cooking beans. Huh?
2: Yeah. Do you have a a sandwich from your book that you love to make or eat more than other sandwiches, or are they all just equally like your favorite children?
3: I love them all, but the uh, <laughs> and I don't, to be honest, I don't make a ton of sandwiches at home, but uh, but I guess. But but yeah, I don't know that's, 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 I don't have a good answer to that. And I'm sorry.
1: That's okay. Have you incorporated your love of beans into your sandwich making?
3: Uh, we've put like refried beans and things on sandwiches, but. Samita. Yeah. But not like, what's that? Oh yeah. There's hummus on a lot of sandwiches. I guess that is beans. Yeah. But there's not like, yeah, I don't know. But you
1: don't have like a, like a. A ladle of borracho beans going no, on. No, but something. that
3: said, I do like the really soggy sandwiches that have been mm-hmm. dipped in brothy things, so maybe it's time to figure out how that makes sense. How a pot of beans has something to do with the sandwich. That
2: sounds like a fun challenge.
3: It, yeah, it would, it would be...
2: I'll be your first customer.
3: Okay, I'll let you know. All right,
2: thanks. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, in your opinion, like, the best condiment for sandwiches?
3: What is the best condiment for sandwiches? Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like that changes a lot for me, but lately it's probably... I, I've been... I've always liked mustard, but lately I can't seem to get enough mustard for some reason. But, um, I don't know, is that not exciting enough? What's the most exciting condiment?
2: I don't mustard. know. I mean, I think mustard's the best condiment. Yeah, it is the best. But what kind? Of, there's so many different kinds of mustard. It's so there. versatile. Yeah. But he can say
1: mustard, and then that covers all the mustard.
3: That's true. You know what I recently <laughs> discovered is Dusseldorf mustard is a thing that I didn't know anything about. It's like the other town. You know, there's Dijon, but then there's Dusseldorf mix is apparently was supposed to be famous for mustard, but nobody realized that, I guess.
1: Is oh, no. it in the style of Dijon or is it? No, like no, a no. Grainy... It's own
3: it's its own style. Yeah. It's like a kind of brownish, kind of grainy-ish mustard. It's pretty delicious. Hmm.
2: So historically you've always kind of championed the underdog vegetable. Maybe it's time for you to do the same with your mustard. Yes, yeah, maybe. You could be like the broccoli and Dusseldorf mustard guy.
3: <laughs> yeah. Or
2: Creole mustard.
3: I don't know if I ever actually had cream. Oh my mustard.
1: god! I don't know how they make it, but it's almost creamy. But I it's, would like to try they put that. mayonnaise in it. No, it's just mustard. That's but crazy. It has the best texture. Satterands makes a good
2: one. I will try it. Cool. So what's going on with like? You have a little bit of an empire happening with number seven.
3: Yeah. They're all over. We got a bunch of them.
2: Yeah. Um, are there plans for more?
3: Uh, we, uh, yeah, kind of, I don't know. Uh, we're, we're going to open a new shop and I think it's going to be the, it's, I think officially going to be the veggie shop, the number seven veggie, which is a more vegetarian slant on things. Uh, but that no is going to be at all
2: or just more vegetarian. We're
3: friendly. still working that detail out. Cause okay. I, for the record would really like there to be one meat thing so that we're not actually like a proper vegetarian restaurant. We just are the inverse of most menus where there's mostly meat things, but just the one token vegetarian thing. Mm-hmm. I want to... I one token meat. Invert, yeah. Like invert the, that and have the, the opposite one, of
2: the
1: meat. Hook I this love thing. that. One
3: awesome chicken sandwich, but everything else is vegetarian. Um, anyway, that's going to be in the Whole Foods in Williamsburg. That's opening soon.
2: And you've had your own sort of like personal... Um, attempts maybe or thoughts about becoming a vegetarian but not quite all the way
3: i mean i think about it all the time
2: you do so why do you think about it all the time and then why have you not become a vegetarian uh
3: i think about it all the time because it is kind of a pressing issue and it's there are like multiple reasons why it's kind of horrible and disgusting how much meat we eat as a as a as humanity um and and particularly like i don't want to kill an animal you know like i i don't I don't think I could kill a pig or a cow Mm -hmm. or even a chicken or, I don't know, I killed a lobster. I I kill them all the time and every single time I do, I stare them in the eyes and I'm like, I don't want to be doing this and I feel weird about it, but those things are so delicious and I kind of understand there is, to some degree, this natural thing about it and there's life and there's death and I don't don't think I'm going to hell because I killed a lobster, but I don't want to kill stuff. But that's just the most personal, like, simple, basic reason that I think about becoming vegetarian all the time. There's many, many, you know, I'm sure you guys are very familiar with all the issues. There's all kinds of reasons that it makes a lot of sense to be vegetarian. So all that said, I, at the very least, try to be super thoughtful about it. Because I feel like if I make good choices about the meats that I do eat, and if I'm being really thoughtful and kind of crazy about it, that I'll eat less of it. Um... And those are good, important steps. Like, I think if everybody could just be more thoughtful about it and not just assume that they have to eat meat at every meal and thus, and they don't want to spend a lot of money on it, so they just get the cheapest whatever cheeseburger that they can get. Like, if everybody kind of took a step back and said, all right, well, let's actually think about this, even if that just caused everybody just to slow down a little bit, that would probably be a pretty awesome thing. We're not going to get the world to suddenly be vegan next week, but we might be able to convince everybody just to maybe cut a few things out of their diet every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And, and that, seem, that seems much be more bacon, reasonable.
1: Right? That's not sustainable either. Sure. Right? There needs And to be it balance. just wouldn't be as fun. Oh, no. There wouldn't be bacon.
3: Right? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Vegan bacon. <laughs> you can take you, you can take your tempeh bacon and put it somewhere else, okay? I'll put that in shit <laughs> in my
2: mouth.
1: I love tempeh bacon. <laughs> okay. So... Making a sandwich, it's like the roll is so important. Would you agree?
3: The role, like the 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 bread bread. or the role that you play in making that sandwich?
1: No, the bread.
2: Both. So far, sandwiches are
1: not made by robots. I'm talking about bread. Was it, how was it, like, how was it, is it, is it a continuous thing, like finding good rolls or good bread for, or like the perfect bread for your sandwiches? Because...
3: Well, like for, you mean for the sub shop or
1: for the sub shop? You know,
3: for the sub shop. You know, we we when we first started, we I had a really specific idea of what the bread was that I wanted was, and so we opened a we we built a little bakery to bake that bake that bread, and we were doing that for a long time, and it turns out that that's a difficult business to be in that I don't know anything about, um. So we sold that space and uh, found Caputo's Bakery, which. Uh, is in Carroll Gardens, in which we had actually had their bread before, and and talked about using it in the first place. And it's great. It's like, it's kind of, it, it's like the kind of classic Italian hero roll that you get at a bodega, but like the awesome version of it.
1: They make that hero roll because, yeah, I know. I, I I love the Caputos. I live in Carroll Gardens. Yeah, yeah, they're a great family. Um, you I can thought go buy that was that there. a bon me roll.
3: No, no, no. Oh it's my just,
1: god, you're killing me. It's
3: just. Caputas, it's such awesome. Such a good roll. Yeah, I you had a chicken you, sandwich last night. When you toast it, it gets super bon mi-ish because it gets really just like that really thin crispy crunch on the very outside, and, and when, it just
1: collapses. And too. then it collapses.
3: Yeah, it's really it's perfect bread.
1: That's such a good. Yeah, there. That I love everything about caputas. But I, you
3: know, I think people say like, oh, the the bread is the most important part of the sandwich, and may, maybe I don't know. Like every part of the sandwich is important, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to get the most expensive fanciest like those baguettes from Bien Cui are delicious but they're like so dense and so chewy and so flavorful and for me that's not what I'm looking for for a sandwich I want a roll from Caputo's which I think some people would probably look at and be like this isn't you know this isn't amazing bread this is just a whatever Italian hero roll Um, but it's per it's just perfect for a sandwich
1: yeah wouldn't you say though that when you're talking about bread for a sandwich it's not about the most artisanal and 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 expertly made bread it is the right type of bread for the fillings
3: right because it can right? be because like if you're just putting some perfect fancy ham and a little bit of butter on some bread like I kind of want that yeah. badass baguette you know but if it's it just it yeah it depends on what you're in the mood for, what you want to eat, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: What are your thoughts on, well, there's a, I guess there's a little bit of a controversy out there. Like some people would say that um, different sandwiches, like if it doesn't necessarily have bread, it's not a sandwich. Like for example, a burrito. Or, I mean, you've actually said that your favorite sandwich is like a slice of pizza folded over. Yeah. What do you say to the naysayers out there, like the real purists who say, like, no, it has to be like two pieces of bread with something in between?
3: Yeah. I'm just a very inclusive person, mm. and I just believe that <laughs> uh, all sandwiches are sandwiches that's all really, the time.
1: That's really lovely. Pro taco is sandwich.
3: I think all food is sandwich.
2: All food is sandwich. Or it could be.
3: Yeah. If you believe and if you want it to be. <laughs> yeah. Like you open is. up your heart. Yeah. I
2: believe I can fly. That's really nice. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Tyler Cord and the Morning After Quiz.
0: Dead of the Night by Bad Citizen.
1: Welcome back to the morning after with and we're here when we're here with Tyler Cord and it's time for the morning after quiz. Are you ready? Sure. Okay. So (laughs) Tyler Cord, you own Brooklyn's number seven sub shop and you know all about that. But what do you know about 7-Eleven, the convenience store chain?
3: Mm, rhetorical rhetorical. question okay (laughs) i've been there
1: i'm going to ask you three multiple choice questions about this iconic stop for cigarettes beer and slushies are you ready let's do it okay question number one in recognition of the simpsons movie hitting theaters in 2007 what did 7-eleven do to promote it a had hank azaria the voice of apu who ran the Quickie Mart in the series, dressed and act as Apu while working at a location a 7 Eleven location in LA. B. Transform a handful of stores across the country into actual quickie marts, changing the signs and names of iconic products inside. Or C held amateur skateboarding competitions at various lo- at various 7 Eleven locations by putting a half pipe in the parking lot and making it compulsory that all the competitors Dress as Bart Simpson and scream, Cowabunga, dude! Every time they landed a trick.
3: <laughs> I have no idea. It's alright. But <laughs> I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna take a guess and say, B, they dressed up a bunch of 7 Elevens like Quickie Marts?
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, they changed the name of the Slurpee to. Uh, to from the slur- slu- Slurpee to Slushy.
0: Slushy to Slurpee. Slushy to
1: Slurpee. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> you really get them mixed up. And they had like. They sound very similar. And they have like crusty-o's. Like you, you oh, can yeah, buy boxes Prusty-o. of crusty-o's. And yeah. Oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. This that was only in fun. California? No, it was like nationwide. My, like 12 locations. I didn't know about it. Um, okay. Which one of these is not an actual edible product sold at 7-Eleven? Oh, this is going to be hard. I did not call it food for a reason. A wild cherry slurpee donut. B cheeseburger bite, which offers quote, the taste of a cheeseburger with the convenience of a hot dog. (laughs) Or C... I really hope that exists. (laughs) Or C, super loaded nachos that include not only cheese and chili, but a split jumbo hot dog and fried chicken tenders strewn over the top. Which one of these is not an actual product sold at 7-Eleven?
3: I'm going to say A, because that's the one I hope is not because I think I want to have the other two for dinner tonight.
1: (laughs) Okay, well... The wild cherry Slurpee donut does or did exist. It was actual. It was the super loaded nachos, but don't you think that would be great?
3: I do, and I'm a I little think that disappointed. Somewhere, so that's not real. Food,
1: you could do it. I think you yeah. could like. It doesn't sound hard to me. Cobble it together yourself, but it's yeah. Not, yeah, but that's it's not, it's not the it's same, not same thing. Wrong. I, offer. Yeah. I want them to make it for me. That's not the same exactly. thing. Exactly.
2: <laughs>
3: It's fine, whatever. I'm okay. Wait,
2: how is a how is a hamburger less convenient to eat than a hot dog? Wait, yeah, hamburger. It's bite. tubular.
3: What are you talking about? It's, hot it's, dogs are the greatest, and hamburgers <laughs> are impossible. I'm sorry, Tyler. have you ever tried to eat a hamburger? It's impossible. It's, it's impossible.
1: Absolutely. you have to impossible. use a knife and fork. I always are just, you French? I always throw <laughs> it down. Impossible. <laughs> throw it down and walk away in a huff.
3: If they have those at a backyard barbecue, I'm not eating one. That's embarrassing.
2: Oh my god.
3: I'll look ridiculous. I
2: feel horrible.
1: I am with Tyler, I am pro hot dog at a backyard barbecue.
3: Everything should be hot dog shape, always. (laughs) That's why lobster (laughs) rolls are great. Have you ever tried to eat a lobster (laughs) just with your hands? Impossible. (laughs) Put it in a hot dog bun.
1: Yes. Well, you're right, that does exist. All right. Number three. Where is the world's top Slurpee market selling? 188,000 slurpees between five regional stores per month just wrap your mind around
3: that number i can't that's too much
1: is it a the greater detroit metropolitan area b manitoba canada or c taiwan
3: i hope it's canada let's go b canada
1: it's canada totally awesome manitoba they love their
2: Slurpees. oh i thought it was gonna be india
1: Oh, I mean, Taiwan, like, they have they have 5,000 They 7-Elevens 5, in Taipei alone, I Whoa.
3: think.
2: Whoa. <laughs> it's insane. But that's so weird, because in Canada, it's always cold, so why are they want to drink slushies all the that's time? That's what makes it so weird.
3: Because after you've eaten your hot dog-shaped hamburger, you're thirsty. my God. In fact, and de-
2: I'm just really yeah. surprised about that. Detroit it
1: sells the most Slurpees... Um, in America, not surprising, and they're number two to Manitoba for the world. Wow! Okay, uh, Manitoba, yeah,
2: shout out, yeah, way to way to represent. Tyler, tell us where we can buy your new cookbook. I'm
3: not. I'm not entirely sure. I think just at bookstores and bookstores. on. Uh, I, I I was going to say Amazon, but that's bad. Don't go. To, don't do that. Don't do that. Go to the bookstore. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a bookstore right by a restaurant called Greenlight, which you could go buy a book there. And then come to the restaurant and eat a broccoli taco.
2: That sounds like a
1: great
3: day. That's in Fort Greene. I would love to do that. Come on over.
1: Or any other independently owned bookstore or Barnes & Noble. Just don't go to Amazon. Sure.
2: (laughs) Or or do. As long as you're going to buy Tyler's book.
1: It's fine. (laughs) It's fine.
3: But if you do, yeah. Just buy one at Amazon, but then later when you're at a bookstore, buy one at the bookstore.
2: For your mom. Yeah. Okay. Tyler, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank
3: you so much for having me. That was a delight.
2: Absolutely. We will... Follow you and your number seven adventures. That's great, great, Leslie. I'll see you Sarah. here next week. Next week, okay. No, week after next. Week after next. Happy July Fourth, everybody. Happy July Fourth. We won't be here. You should also not be here.
1: Go enjoy your family yes. and your In country's America. independence. Yes. All right. Okay. Signing off. Bye.
3: Bye.
0: <laughs> Heritage Radio Network is a member-supported nonprofit organization broadcasting over 30 live shows a week. To learn more and donate, visit our website or connect with us on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram for more. Thanks for listening.